You are listening to Revolver Podcast. Want to grow your own weed but not sure where to get the seed? Go to bcbuddepot.com. For nearly 15 years, BC Bud Depot has been building one of the world's most comprehensive seed banks, offering over 50 strains of top quality cannabis to suit every grower's needs, including multiple award-winning strains like Godbud, The Perps, BC Blueberry, Girl Scout Cookies, and more. In fact, BC Bud Depot's genetics have won over 30 different cannabis awards over the past decade. So you know you're dealing with a recognized industry leader that will deliver you some of the most potent, flavorful flowers on the planet. They ship worldwide, offering fast, discreet delivery at reasonable prices. All online orders are processed within 48 hours and are packaged and mailed with the utmost stealth and safety in mind. And if for some reason your order gets lost, damaged, or confiscated, BC Bud Depot will resend it at no extra charge guaranteeing that every customer receives what they paid for. Whether you're looking for indica or sativa, indoor or outdoor, feminized or auto-flowering, BC Bud Depot has the seeds you need at a price you can handle. But don't take my word for it. Check out their extensive library of award-winning genetics for yourself at bcbuddepot.com and type in promo code BLAZIN420 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. BC Bud Depot home of cannabis champions since 2002. Please check your local state and national laws before ordering. It's time to roll up those joints, pack those bowls, and fire up those nails. Because you're listening to Blazing with Bobby Black. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Blazin'. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Black. Today, we're going to be speaking with an icon of the SoCal desert rock scene uh, who has played drums in not one but two quintessential stoner rock bands, Caius and Fu Manchu, before launching a solo career uh, as a frontman for his own bands. Uh, and also creating his own record label, Duna Records. He now has a new album out called Dow of the Devil. Uh, please welcome to the show, Brant Bjork. What's up, man? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's been a minute since I've seen you. I think the last time was probably we hung out in Motor City in New York City. I don't even know how many years ago that was. Uh, Motor City's been closed for a few years now. And then also, of course, the uh, the Bowery Ballroom when you were back in Fu Manchu. I did an interview with you guys for High Times uh, back in the day. So right. you, you've, been, you've been keeping pretty busy, man. Uh, you've put out quite a few albums since then. And the latest is uh, Dow of the Devil. Tell us a little about, uh, about the new album. Well, the new album, it's, it's been out for about a week now. And uh, it consists of uh, myself and my uh, writing and producer, producing partner, Bubba Dupree on guitar, and Dave Dinsmore on bass, and Ryan Goode playing drums. Uh, the whole recording process took about a year, which is quite a long time for me, but we really just wanted to take our time and, and develop um, a really good, you know, chemistry between us as the musicians and then also work in some uh, studio techniques that we had been you know working on and so we just kind of took our time and and didn't didn't stop until we, we got it right so 
what we have here is pretty much what we're we're content with. <laughs> Cool, and I can't help but notice, uh, of course, on this album, on the T-shirt, on the new T-shirt, and of course on uh, the last album, uh, you use the pot leaf as a symbol for the band in, in, in quite a few regards. Tell me a little about your relationship with weed. Uh, obviously, you're you're a big fan. Do you use it for creative purposes? Do you use it uh, when you perform? Tell me a little about your relationship with the plant. You know, I, I discovered marijuana at a young age about 13 years old and um, like most people back then I, I, I primarily you know my relationship with marijuana was primarily for recreation and um, you know as, as we would say to party uh, but I, I quickly started to realize that it was something more important than uh, a recreational drug and um, I've maintained a, a a relationship with marijuana ever since and uh, the reason why I'm using the marijuana leaf more consistently with with in relation to my my output is is because I think you know I'm very I'm very much an advocate of marijuana as a recreational drug but also as a for medicinal purposes for, for all purposes actually the plant hemp plant is crucial and I think I think now with politics getting so distorted I, I think it's my way of saying well my I'm never really followed politics but my politics is probably hemp you know marijuana huh. I mean that's that's something that I I feel strongly politically spiritually socially uh, medicinally uh, all the all the across the board you know yeah do, do you remember the first time you got high yeah I mean the first the first couple times I probably didn't even really realize but like the third or fourth time yeah i got pretty stoned you know i was like i said i was like 13 i was in like the seventh grade and i remember the first bong hit i took yeah what, what was the what were the circumstances around that was it anything special were you with your friends or uh yeah i was i was with um i'd always hung out with older kids when i was growing up and um my first bong hit was actually a homemade bong and I was with some older guys who had invited me to go see REM and this was probably around 1987 and we pulled off the highway on the way to the show and just did a bunch of bong hits so that, I remember that that was pretty rad Do you have a, a favorite strain or a favorite pipe or bong that you like to smoke? You know interestingly enough for all my love of the old world, I've come to embrace the vaporizer pen for my daily use now. Um, I feel like it, it just agrees with me and it's very convenient. And um, uh, I prefer sativa. I feel like it, it just keeps me going throughout the day and um, I'm able to focus with it. And um, if I'm if I'm really feeling like like I need to like really relax for any particular reason. I might smoke some indica, but mostly it's sativa or, or like a blend, sativa dominated blend. Yeah. Yeah. So you so you're into the oil and the wax that's become very popular now, right? Yeah. I mean, nothing nothing really beats the flower and the bud and the and a nice bong and but um, I I probably smoke more for medicinal reasons 
these days. And so the pen just kind of serves me throughout the day for convenience, you know? Yeah. So you, you smoke when you're sitting down to write music, I would imagine, right? Or rehearse or, or play? Yeah, it depends. It depends. It's not it's not something that I feel I must do. or. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's not uncommon for me to, like, definitely take a couple hits if I'm going to, um, you know, listen to music or start, yeah, yeah, rehearsing or jamming or, you know, yeah, for sure it's. What about what about performing? Sure. Because I know there's a lot of uh, people I've interviewed that they enjoy it, like when they're writing or creating. But when they're performing, they like to be more clear-headed. What about you? Are you are you like to play uh, be on stage high or no? I love it, but it kind of depends on the band. My first solo band, the Bros, we smoked quite a bit before we played, and our our music and our performances reflected that. And it was great because we were all, there was a camaraderie amongst us based upon our, our, you know, ritual of getting high before the show. But, you know, over the years, I've played with lots of different musicians and not all musicians do that. And so I I came to sense that when I'm stoned and maybe some of the, the whole band isn't, it's not as uh, effective, I feel, for a collective of musicians. I feel like uh, I try to be on this in the same frequency as the band. You know. Right on. So you you've you've obviously written uh, a number of songs about weed or or with references to weed over the years, going all the way back to Halamanta with uh, "Let's Get Chinese Eyes," and then you have on the new record you have the very first song on the album is called "Greenheen," <laughs> two words, and it's uh it's kind of a stretched out version of green, I guess. Uh, but it's it's pretty obviously about weed. Tell me about that song. Yeah, I, um, I was in uh, Europe. I believe a year and a half ago. And uh, I was really having kind of a downer day. And um, I picked myself up and and forced myself to go see St. Vitus, who was playing the same day at the same event. Nice. And they just reminded me to just have fun, man, and don't take certain things too serious. and, uh, And I really, really, they really kicked my butt and put me back in the spirit of things and so i was so high from from that and so grateful that when i got back to my hotel room i immediately picked up my guitar and just started playing and the first thing that came out was the riff for the green which is obviously kind of influenced by by a vita style riff and then i thought well it just it just has to be something that encompasses belief you know for sure man i mean that's a big part of what it's all about you know yeah i was gonna say it's definitely one of the more sabbathy tracks that you've you've recorded i would say i mean most of your music has a very uh heavy but mellow kind of groove i i would say but this one seemed to have a little bit more of that sabbathy edge to it yeah i love i love black sabbath as much as everybody you know i mean i was smoking grass and listening to sabbath when i was a kid is as well and and it's definitely always been certainly not the only rock band that i am inspired by but definitely a, a rock band that i've i've always loved and i i do bubba and dave and i were excited to shamelessly kind of do our take on the uh, celebration of sabbath you know yeah well let's play a little sample of that track for the listeners right now this is the first track off the new album, Dow of the Devil, and it's called The Green Heen. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that's a pretty uh, pretty badass weed anthem you got there, man. Pretty classic example of stoner rock, stoner metal, uh, desert rock, if you will. So let me ask you. Obviously, uh, you're from the Southern California desert, Palm Desert area. The genre of music that you have helped create and make popular is known as desert rock. And a lot of your songs and videos also include imagery and, and, and lifestyle from the desert what was it like growing up in the desert and how has that influenced your creativity? Cause it seems like a whole lot of amazing music came out of that area. Well, growing up in the desert was, you're very isolated, but you weren't very distracted either. So you were kind of always boarding between meditation and like extreme boredom. So music became something, you know, as kids, we, there was so little for us to have out there. There's so little to do that when we decided and created things for ourselves, it it was very important. It was a life force, and we took it 
serious, like a life force. And music was something that myself and all the others that were involved in our scene, it was something, it was very, very important to us. It was literally a life force. And um, I don't think any of us ever thought we were going to get discovered and, or even leave the desert, let alone make records. But we did put the kind of effort in that uh, warrants those kinds of rewards for sure, you know. Uh, I bet you must be something of a celebrity back there now. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a small town where we all come from. So it's a small town mentality, and I say that with respect. But um, it's a humbling place. It's not the kind of place you can you can walk into and and think you're something special. We all are unique, but none of us are special. And, and when you go home, you're if you need reminding you'll be reminded <laughs> <laughs> it's a far cry from la that's for sure right it is we're 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 just a hop skip and a jump but we might as well be yeah light years away because it is a bit different that's for sure cool uh we're gonna take a quick break uh for a word from our sponsor but we'll be right back with more from brant bjork here on blazing want to grow your own weed but not sure where to get the seed go to bcbuddepot.com For nearly 15 years, BC Bud Depot has been building one of the world's most comprehensive seed banks, offering over 50 strains of top-quality cannabis to suit every grower's needs, including multiple award-winning strains like God Bud, The Perps, BC Blueberry, Girl Scout Cookies, and more. In fact, BC Bud Depot's genetics have won over 30 different cannabis awards over the past decade. So you know you're dealing with a recognized industry leader that will deliver you some of the most potent, flavorful flowers on the planet. They ship worldwide, offering fast, discreet delivery at reasonable prices. All online orders are processed within 48 hours and are packaged and mailed with the utmost stealth and safety in mind. And if for some reason your order gets lost, damaged, or confiscated, BC Bud Depot will resend it at no extra charge guaranteeing that every customer receives what they paid for. Whether you're looking for indica or sativa, indoor or outdoor, feminized or auto-flowering, BC Bud Depot has the seeds you need at a price you can handle. But don't take my word for it. Check out their extensive library of award-winning genetics for yourself at bcbuddepot.com and type in promo code BLAZIN420 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. BC Bud Depot home of cannabis champions since 2002. Please check your local, state, and national laws before ordering. All right, and we are back. Uh, my guest today on Blazin is once again Brant Bjork, uh, legendary stoner slash desert rock musician from Brant Bjork and the Brothers, Brant Bjork and the Operators, uh, Brant Bjork and the Low Desert Punks. You've had your bands have had quite a few uh, names over the years. Is that just because you've switched up members, or is there a reason for the many different name changes? Yeah, I mean, part of it is I like I like to have fun and and give the collective, you know, group of guys I, I assemble. I, I like to give them a name, you know, because every group of musicians has its own character, its own own chemistry and uh, its own style. And, you know, part of the excitement of being a solo artist and, and having creative control is taking that creative control and, and, and applying myself back into the band 
situation, you know, and um, putting guys together and, and, uh, and, you know, like I said, and giving them a name, naming that, that vibe. I know sometimes it's confusing for people, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> it's fun. On our end, it can be fun. You know? Is that why you left uh, Fu Manchu back in the day? Was it because you wanted more creative control and, and you weren't able to perform your own songs with them? Or what was the reasoning? Um, I wrote quite a bit when I was in Fu Manchu, and I was very satisfied. I had a great time in Fu Manchu. Um, Fu Manchu was like my, that was like my rock and roll college, you know. I learned a lot, and I'm very grateful for my years spent in Fu Manchu. And, and I think in the end, for me, I just kind of felt like I'd, it was time to graduate. I'd put in as much as I felt I wanted to and, and could and should, and it was time to move on. And I mean, I had other styles of music inside me that I felt it was time to express. And, and you know, Fu Manchu is a band that does a specific thing very well and it, it wouldn't be right for me to impose some of these different ideas upon them you know it, it's just they had some that's their band that's that's not necessary i think they have a great thing and they and they still do it you know yeah how was playing in fu manchu different from your days in caius it was different on almost every level <laughs> <laughs> um caius was like playing with your brothers and it's just really dysfunctional it was high times and low times and love and hate and you know beauty and and ugliness and Fu Manchu was just like a well-oiled machine everyone wanted to be there for the same reasons um, everyone got along we really just had a lot of fun and to be perfectly honest when Scott called me back in the day that was a big part of why I accepted and, and joined Fu Manchu was because I I felt like after my experience in Caius, I, I felt like I owed it to myself to, to play in a great rock and roll band that's really rooted in just having a good time. And for those who don't know, uh, when you say Scott, you're referring to Scott Hill, the singer of Fu Manchu. So what was the schism all about? Was it was it creative differences about where the band should be going musically, or was it more of just like a clash of personalities between certain members? Uh, in regards to... Caius. Um, no, there wasn't a whole lot of conflict in the music direction. Josh and I, not to mention Nick, we were always on point and willing and able in terms of our musical collaborations and directions and ideas. The problem with Caius was that we just all aren't on the same page as people. It's almost like philosophical and spiritual and political even. We're just we're just all so different that it wasn't a band built for longevity. You know, one of my favorite bands, The Grateful Dead, is a band that represents people that are all on the same page, you know, mentally. They didn't need necessarily someone to drive the car because they all wanted to go to the same place, so to speak. They all knew where they were kind of going, and they all had enough room to be their individuals within the collective. But, uh, Caius, we were a young band. We weren't dudes who were older and were adults and had better communication skills and better projections of what, what an adventure might, might mean. We were just kids, 
you know, and and a lot of the reasons why we played together is because those were the only we were the only guys in town that played that particular instrument. You know, it's, it really was just nature at work. <laughs> That's all it was. Yeah. Like so many other Caius fans out there, you know, I've always, you know, we always dreamed of a reunion someday, and we came pretty, we came very close to that with Caius Lives uh, a few years back. I was fortunate enough, I got to see uh, you guys play twice, uh, once in New Jersey and once in New York, and uh, it was, it was amazing. I mean, obviously, you know, Josh wasn't with the the group, so it was a little different, but it sounded just absolutely amazing, and it really, really did true justice, and I couldn't believe how just how on point you guys really sounded. I mean, I think you sounded better than than back in the day, probably, because you're just, I guess, so much more experienced musicians at this point, no? Well, I really appreciate you saying that, and, and um, that makes me feel good. And, and we were we were really playing well, and um, in a lot of ways, you know, executing on a on a way higher level than back in the day. You know, it was. It was unfortunate that it, it couldn't have involved Josh. It's always a, a bit of a letdown when, when all the members can't be involved. But, you know, people forget, and a lot of people just probably weren't even around to know that, like, Caius, you know, wasn't a band that just kind of petered out. I mean, it's a band that stopped prematurely, and, and it stopped for very specific reasons. And so it was exciting for us to, you know, even though the original guitar player wasn't involved, you know, his his non-involvement was what allowed us to get out there and do that and, and have fun, but also play that music on that level for the fans, you know? Yeah. I mean, as much as, sure, I would love to see Josh up there with you guys, but uh, I got to say three out of four is not bad. And like I said uh, before, the music just sounded incredible. And to be able to see that performed live again it was just amazing. I only got to see you guys uh, a couple of times back in the day before the breakup, and it's it's amazing to be able to see that again. Uh, I mean, I remember I first learned about Caius. I was in college. I was a I was in my college radio station. I had a radio show, and, uh, and that's when uh, Green Machine broke, which is a song that you wrote, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes. And it yeah. came out, and it was being played on uh, WSOU, which is the, the college station in New Jersey that played metal. And it started to get out there, and people started to hear about it. And so well, the first thing I did is I went in the stacks of CDs in our college radio station and started looking for this band. Who is this band? You know, And uh, I found Wretch, and I found uh, Blues for the Red Sun. like a revelation i had never heard anything that sounded like this before and so i became an immediate fan and i started playing you guys on the on my radio show uh and that was the beginning of the love affair for me with stoner rock 
I mean, that was a big thing. When Sky Valley, when Welcome to Sky Valley came out, I remember knowing that it was going to come out and going to the record store the day it came out to buy it because I was that excited to see what was going to come next. And boy, was I not disappointed. Yeah. Let me tell you, man. Wow, that's awesome. That's great to hear. You know, that's, that's what it's all about. You know, that's what it's all about. It's all about the music. Uh, and for us, and I think I speak for us in, in Caius, and certainly all of us in Caius live. I mean, it was, it was always about the music. There was no other motive but to create the music that we heard and felt in our hearts, and we and that's what we did, you know, and that's what um, what Caius was originally about, and that's what Caius Liz was about. Like, it's all, it's all about the music, you know. Absolutely, man. So, uh, of course, Caius Lives, you guys had to stop using that name. I, I heard there was some uh, threats of litigation or something, uh, um, and you guys switched your name to Vistachino and put out an album under Vistachino, which is a great album. It seems like there's just some, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, but is there just some bad blood between Josh and, and John or someone else in the band? Or I mean, I'm sure all of, all of us fans out there would love to see a full reunion at some day, but it just it doesn't seem like that's likely to happen, right? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, going back to what I said before about our collective ideals of what Caius was and could potentially be, I mean, speaking for myself, you know, I always thought what made us a unique and, and, and awesome musical unit was that we were, we were truly a band, you know. Josh felt the need to kind of position himself as a, a leader, and there's there's certainly needs for for collectives of, of certain types to have leadership, but it wasn't necessarily a, a, a leader taking us to where we want to go, but more about just kind of a, just controlling self-serving ideas. Yeah. The result of that personality was Queens of the Stone Age, and um, you know he, with all credit. Deserved. I mean, he achieved what he ultimately wanted. He got it. Yeah. Very so, clear that, that that type of want wasn't natural in a band like Caius, you know. Yeah. And, um, and with the lawsuit, it really solidified and made it very clear that if... Uh, he can't have it all to himself. He doesn't want anybody to have it. Well, you don't you don't need a name to make music, man. And you guys are still making amazing music, and that's like you said, what counts. The music is what it's all about. But you still have a, a good relationship with most of the other guys. Uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, you know, we're all different in our own ways, but I still love and respect John and, and Nick, and you know, Fredo's a good guy. I haven't seen him in many years. But yeah, I'm not a big fan of, of Josh and Scott's thinking process. You know, um, I, I want to believe that deep down they're good people, and and you know, and, and in their minds they, they believe that what they're doing is right. And um, I just don't agree. I just don't agree with their mindset. Right on. So um, I don't wish any ill will towards them, but I certainly am not uh, paying attention or interested in. I go my way and they go theirs. Right on. 
So you obviously have gone your own way. As we mentioned in the beginning of the interview, you are now the front man of your own band doing things your way. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. I know you have a new video coming out. I saw the video for the last single, Stacked, and I loved it. It was awesome. Very, very hot chick in that, by the way. <laughs> um, so you, I hear you have a new video uh, that that's just coming out now, right? Premiering? Yeah, we, we meaning myself and my manager and, and uh, the director of the, of the video concept, our ambition was to hit a couple birds with one stone, and that was to try and shoot two videos in one day um it, it was a bit ambitious but you know we we're all in the business of being <laughs> sometimes you gotta be a little ambitious so um yeah i'm as curious as anybody to see the second part of the video so um i thought the first part was really fun and i had a great time shooting it it was a great day how could you not? So, You're I'm drinking sure beers and playing pool with a hot chick. <laughs> yeah, that, that it didn't suck. You know? <laughs> so we'll see what the second one is. I, 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 I assume it'll be equally as entertaining. Is it for the song Lovin', right? Is that it? Yeah. Yeah, Lovin'. And you guys are uh, planning a, a European tour soon, is that right? Correct. Yeah, we begin rehearsals in two weeks, and then the beginning of uh, November we leave for a three-week run in uh, Europe. Yeah. And then uh, after that, hopefully the States as well? Yeah, we have uh, quite a bit on the table for 2017. Uh, I assume it's going to be a very busy year, and we're excited to get out there and play some stuff off the new record as well as everything else. Um, so, yeah, there'll be North American dates. U.S. and Canada. We're also going to try and get down to South America for the first time with my solo band, and then uh, we'll return to Australia sometime in May as well. Cool. Well, uh, you know, I uh, recently relocated from New York to Southern California myself, and uh, I actually just got to go out to the desert. I went to see uh, uh, Arthur's band, uh, House of Broken Promises, play uh, not too long ago out there, and it was pretty awesome. So I hope to... Uh, get to see you play some more now that I'm out here. Absolutely. We'll have to make that happen. You know, I saw on your Instagram feed that there was a uh, generator party that I missed, and I was so 
pissed about it because I've heard the legend, the tales of the generator parties from back in the day. And uh, as a Stoner Rock fan, you know, in New York, I was like, oh, my God, these must have been the coolest things ever. And, you know, and, and I thought they were long uh, extinct. But to see that there's still some generator parties going on makes me happy. So I'm looking well, forward to the next one. Yeah, well, my manager and I, we uh, put together a, a, a musical festival called Desert Generator. And it's important that I, I want to emphasize that it, it's not literally an, an old school generator party as much fun as that would be and i i definitely wouldn't mind seeing one of those happen again and maybe we can maybe we can do something about that but this particular festival is a bit more organized a bit more <laughs> organized but but the idea behind it was to kind of capture that that old spirit of the generator parties where you're out under the stars in the desert and um, playing rock and roll and and drinking and smoking and, and hanging out, you know, grooving with your buddies and your girls. And so it's it's all rooted. Uh, but the idea of it is rooted in the same spirit of the desert generator, for sure. All right. Well, uh, Brant, uh, thanks so much for taking time to uh, blaze with us today. Uh, I wish you a lot of luck with the album and the tour. And uh, everybody out there, please uh, pick up Dow of the Devil on sale now iTunes, record stores, all that good stuff. Uh, Brant, thanks so much for being with us, man. Thank you, Bobby. Thanks. Man, I got to say, Brant has always been such a cool, mellow dude, and I uh, really look forward to seeing him play again live. If he comes around to your town, I suggest you do the same. In the meantime, you can find links to all of Brant Bjork's projects on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash blazingwithbobbyblack. Don't forget to like us, leave us some comments. Also, please follow me on social media, Twitter at Bobby Black, Facebook and Instagram at Bobby Black 420. And as always, I want to thank you all for tuning in and toking up with me again this week on Blazin'. Until next time, blaze on, brothers and sisters. Blaze on.